Katz, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Welcome back to the Love You podcast, where I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about dating, relationships, sex, and men from a man's point of view. Today, the title of the podcast is Beyonce, Lemonade, Cheating, and Infidelity. And I got to admit, that's really just a leaping off point for what we're going to do today because I haven't listened to Beyonce's Lemonade. Um, and to be honest, I'm not sure I need to. I'm sorry. Beyonce fans, it's nothing personal. It's not that I don't like it. It's that I'm a father of two kids and I got other crap to do. Um, and honestly, I'm not sure that the, the conversation today, right, this pseudo, pseudo dialogue that we're having, would be more interesting if I dug into the sordid details about the relationship between Queen B, Jay-Z, her sister, and Becky with the good hair. It's There's been tons written on what actually happened inside that relationship. Uh, and, and since none of us really know from the outside, it leaves us with larger philosophical questions about uh, marriage, relationships, cheating, and infidelity. They just happen to be a good cultural flashpoint to start this dialogue. So I'm going to begin um, with a question that I'm going to sort of attempt to answer um, and see how it wears with you. Because, again, I'm, ma I'm making this up as I go along. Why do men cheat? Do you think men cheat? Um, is it different than why women cheat? Uh, I've written a bunch about this. You can go to evanmarkatz.com forward slash blog, and uh, there's a whole section on cheating um, in, in the uh, categories on the right side of the blog, so you could read all the things I've written about it. Um, in my opinion, it's not just what, I think, was it Chris Rock said in his, comp in, in, in his comedy? It's like men cheat based on opportunity, right? like if he can do it, he'll get away with doing it. I think that says too little, that speaks too little of men. Um, but I think there's something that's worth acknowledging when we're talking about infidelity, and that's that monogamy is a choice. Um, it's not necessarily a natural act, uh, certainly not a natural act for 50 years. Right? Um, you know, our life, you know, our, our life spans have extended uh, enormously over the past you know, few hundred years of industrial technological revolution. And so you know, to be, be monogamous in Romeo and Juliet days you know, for 10 years before you died of dysentery or something um, was, not a, was not necessarily a massive feat. Um, signing on to be with someone for 40 or 50 years is, is quite a different thing. And it's important that we understand that monogamy is a choice. There's no point in comparing us to penguins or the closest thing you can compare us to are bonobos. Um, there's a book by Christopher Ryan called Sex at Dawn. Um, it's 350 pages. It's relatively dense. Um, but the gist of it is um, humans began as hunter-gatherers, uh, little villages of 150 people, and everybody shared everything. Right? Everybody slept with everybody. You, know, you, you, brought, you killed food. You brought it back for the whole village. Right? So, the village would raise the kid, so it didn't even matter who the biological father of the kid was. And then later on, as you know, and, and sometimes there, there's a handful of those societies still left on the planet, and they, they still operate that way. Um, but as we moved into an ownership society, right, lords and feudal, feudal times, and there was land ownership, it became, it almost became that women became property of men. So then there was a competition for resources. Women would look for men who had resources. Men would look for women. And so there, there were these, these arrangements that 
formal got formalized into into what we know is as a more traditional marriage today. But it was based on a certain ownership. Our most primal instincts, however, are for uh, polygyny, right? To be with multiple people, and both men and women desire being with multiple people. Men, because of testosterone, probably desire it more. But make no mistake about it, we could we could go around in circles about what should be or what what is. People are not necessarily wired for monogamy. So ultimately, it's a choice. So why do people stay monogamous? Right? We could talk about why people cheat, but why do people stay monogamous? Um, I could speak for myself, um, and I've and I've been relatively outspoken about this in a, in a way that hasn't always been popular. I'm first to admit that I'm attracted to lots of lots of people. Like I live in Los Angeles. Everywhere you look, there's someone who's attractive and more attractive than me, more attractive than my wife, more attractive than any of my friends. Like everywhere you look, there is visual temptation. I don't think for a half a second I'd be happier with anybody than I am with my wife. But on a on a purely physical level. It's everywhere. So why don't I cheat when it's there? Well, number one, there's a thing called integrity. You make a commitment to your partner. You make a commitment to yourself to be a good person. Right? And then there's some form of self-preservation. I know that you know, if, if, I, if I did something to broach the, the uh, security of my relationship, I would run the risk of losing everything I have. And that risk-reward is not worth it. I'm sure in some, some perfect world, um, perfect world's not the right word for it, in some, in some mythical world, right, there's the idea that uh, everybody could have their cake and eat it too. And if my wife had eyes for another man, she could go sleep with him, and I would say, hey, it's no big deal, and I could do the same, and we're just going to come back. And some people try it. We'll talk about that a little bit later, the idea of polyamory or swing. Um, but it tends to invite a lot more troubles than you might think. So when people cheat, it's often because they think they're above the rules. Right? Um, we lean on stereotypes here. Right? Who are the people who are most likely to cheat, would you think? Well, we see it all the time if we pay attention to the news. It's the rock stars and it's the athletes, the politicians. It's the uber-conquer alpha male who uh, uh, lives in a world of achievement. He's focused on himself rather than others, the effects of his behavior on others. And he's always on to the next. So he actually doesn't think rules apply to him. And to some degree, the rules don't apply to him. I've got a friend who um, uh, manages money for wealthy people. He's like, he actually thinks worse of, of society. I, I live in a little bubble where everybody that I hang out with is happily married. Like I really, like that's the world I live in and that's the world I want to invite you into. But this guy you know, handles really, really rich people's bank accounts, right? That's his job. He gets money to do that. And he's like, you, he's like, you couldn't even imagine some of these guys, right? They have like secret lives. They, you know, they funnel $10,000 a month to their, their mistress or they have a separate apartment where she lives that he, they pay for and the wife doesn't know about. He's like, it just makes me see the worst of people. And that's sort of what, what happens when certain guys, and it's not, of course, only rich guys or famous guys who do this. It's plenty of low class, lower class people who are prone to cheating, too. Um, uh, they, either, they, they either are unethical, grew up in a culture where it was acceptable, haven't experienced any consequences from it. Right? There's lots of reasons that people do it, but it's fundamentally something that's selfish. Right? It's, I want what I want, and 
you're going to have to put up with it. And so they put themselves into the, the, the lines of temptation. That's one of the good things about, you know, having a lot of life experience before I got married. I don't spend too much time glorifying what I missed or what else is out there. I did a decent amount of living in, in 35 years. And I choose not to put myself in temptation. I live in the suburbs and I work from home. I'm never around other women. And it's partially by design because who needs it? If you are, and again, a man or a woman, if you're the actress who's on set in another country for six months out of the year away from her husband, you run the risk of falling for someone on set who you're with every day for 12 hours a day intimately. None of us are immune to that kind of temptation. Smart people don't put themselves around it. Like if you're an alcoholic, you don't live above a bar, right? If you're someone who really uh, has strong physical desires, I would largely extricate myself from that. And that's part of what I, what I have done. I think people are greedy, um, normal, selfish greedy. I want what I want when I want it, and I haven't necessarily thought through the consequences or the downstream effects of how it'll happen. I think just most people don't think that they're going to suffer any consequences from it. Um, they're sort of just hoping not to, to get caught. And um, we all know how very destructive it can be when someone cheats and the whole relationship and marriage and kids and property and divorce and it all falls apart. So again, this is not, nor it should be, about Beyonce and Jay-Z. They're a billion dollar partnership. Right? Why do they stay? Well, I feel like that they've made their compromise, right? Like they've come to terms with the fact that breaking up is going to hurt my business and it's going to hurt my brand and it's going to hurt Blue Ivy. <laughs> and they, they basically, she's basically said, I'm willing to put up with infidelity. I'm going to capitalize on infidelity by dropping an album about infidelity. And we're going to, we're just going to try to keep things together. Now, I have no idea what they're doing, you know, whether he's being faithful now, but as someone who's a sort of a serial cheater, I, you know, I have very little faith that he's going to reform himself for the rest of his life. So to me, it's not that different than what we would perceive the Clintons to be, right? It's, it's, a, it's a power marriage of convenience, and what they stand to lose by breaking up is far greater than what they stand to gain by breaking up. And so, you know, the, they probably have some sort of don't ask, don't tell, you know, non-disclosure agreement thing that they have in, in, in their partnership. And again, it's, there's probably love and there's a, definitely a marriage, but I, I think it's when, when someone has broken the bounds of trust, you either break up or you keep it together because what you stand to lose is so much greater. And, and, and I think in these big power couples, that's, that's really what they're facing. It's, it's losing, faith, losing face, losing, uh, losing respect, losing money um, when you break up your business and you break up your brand. Man, I got so much more to say. Um, I want to explore this a little bit further. Um, what circumstances can infidelity be forgiven? When should it not be forgiven? Um, and I want to tell you sort of a personal anecdote about why I was afraid to cheat on my own wife and how you can largely cheat-proof your own relationship. This is the Love You Podcast. My name is Evan Mark Katz. We will be right back after the break.
And this is Evan Marquette, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Welcome back to the second half of this Love You podcast about Beyonce and lemonade and cheating and infidelity. It's a juicy subject to be sure, um, and there's a lot more than I have to say. I feel like the second half of this is going to be a little longer than the first half if I want to get it all out on paper, um, everything on paper onto the screen. I want to begin with an interesting anecdote, at least I think it's interesting. When I was first married, I was very afraid I was going to cheat on my wife. Um, in fact, I had a professional tell me I would. <laughs> and I cited her in a previous podcast. Her name is Dr. Pat Allen. I went to her when I was deciding whether I was going to propose to my girlfriend. And I, was, I, I had mixed emotions about it. I didn't have that, that oh my God, you just know feeling that, that people say they should just have. And I was just really, really confused. So I went to this esteemed psychologist in her 70s and she interviewed me for about, about a half hour and she said, are you a man with a career or a career man? And these, these are her aphorisms. Are you a man with a career or a career man? And, uh, and she goes, well, if you're a man with a career, it's just a job. And, and you know, essentially she's saying, you know, you, you love your wife more. But if you're a man with a career, if you're a career man, I'm botching it, but essentially if you put your career first, right, and your family second, you know, you're the kind of guy who's going to cheat. And I was like, well, I kind of have a passion and a calling. I mean, I want to be a good family man. That's the most important thing. I want to be like my dad. But I'm pretty passionate about this dating and relationship coaching thing. And I do put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into it. And I'm not just a dude with a job, like just like a regular nine-to-five job that I, I don't care about. It's a big, big part of my life and a big part of my identity is the thing that I do. And she goes, well, given that you are a career man and not a man with a career and that you are questioning your own passion, for uh, the, the, your girlfriend, I predict you're going to end up cheating on her. doesn't mean you're a bad man. It just means you don't feel uh, the necessary bonding and passion to be faithful to her for the rest of your life. That's balls, man. That takes balls to say something like that. And she meant it. And she was, that was her observation. That was her feeling. What Dr. Pat Allen, who I'm acquaintances with and I've shared a stage with, doesn't know about me, is that I value my integrity above everything. Right? Um, that's like that's first, second, and third. And that's what that's my, my values. This always comes down to doing the right thing. So I would sooner, you know, I would sooner break up than to cheat. The reason I was concerned I was gonna cheat was A, again, I got this professional who, who's got 70 years on the planet telling me I'm gonna cheat. B, I don't have that magical feeling that people are supposed to have. See, I have no experience with long-term monogamy. Never had a relationship for more than eight months. And D, I'm a super flirt, super slut, you know, love being around women, love the chase, love the conquer. Right? So all, all these things stacked against me, but I have this amazing woman, right, and my integrity. So those are the, those are the things that, that, I'm, that I was fighting against when I got married. I made a choice, right? And it's a choice that I make every single day. It's not a hard choice. Right? The thing that I that I have with my wife is bigger than me. Right? Our marriage, our house, our kids, this life we've built together. It's so much bigger and so much more important than any minor carnal desire I might have. Right? And I would do nothing to put that at jeopardy. Nothing to put that at jeopardy. Um, but people do. And it's largely because I just don't think they're thinking things through. We could use 
you know, Tiger Woods is a perfect example, right? Here's, here's a guy who's on top of the world, and he's got his model wife, and he's got his kids, and he's got billion dollars in endorsements, and, and he goes, you know, he was, he, he was always really kind of sheltered growing up. He was single-mindedly focused. He starts hanging out with bigwigs, you know, the Michael Jordans of the world, other billionaires who lived their life on the road and were serial cheaters. And suddenly he's screwing waitresses in the back of Denny's, right? right? Serially, right? 15, 20 women or whatever. I could guarantee you Tiger Woods was not thinking, if this gets out, these text messages get out, I'm going to lose my wife, my kids, my endorsements, the respect of the world, my image, my golf mojo. He was just thinking, wow, this is really hot. This is fun. This is exciting. No one's ever going to know. There was not a rational calculation being made because anybody would see that the consequences of being caught are so much greater than um, what he gained from having sex and cheating. So before we go any further, I want to give you some facts. Uh, in this world, there's, there's a, a distinct lack of facts. According to womansavers.com, 22% um, of men and 14% of women cheat, which means that about, that, and again, when you sort of factor this all in, different studies, 75% of marriages are not affected by infidelity. So there are people who hear these statistics and their first reaction is, no, that's not true, it can't be true. When you say a statistic is not true and it can't be true, it's because your life experience has not been that way. Every guy I ever dated cheated on me. My wife had three guys cheat on her before she dated me, including uh, her first husband. Right. But facts are, are stubborn things. Right? They're, they're surveys of large numbers of people. Yours is just your own individual anecdotal evidence that's indicative of the people that you've chosen. If you've chosen a certain type of low-character guy who's a conqueror, who has no regard for women's feelings, who's fundamentally avoidant and selfish, if you've always chosen men like that, you will have a lot of experience with men who cheat. They are not representative of all men. And so it, that's hard, right? Again, no one's defending the guy who's che a cheater. Just know that you are the one who chose that man. There are other women who choose men who are... Who are faithful and devoted, and that's actually the majority of men. Doesn't mean they're all good-looking, doesn't mean they're all rich, doesn't mean they all make you laugh, but there's a lot, right? When we say everybody's a cheater, I, you know, it's a, a sort of going undercurrent when you're a coach for women, you hear about how terrible men are and how unfaithful they are and how all they want is sex. It's actually not true. Right? has a, a, a small basis in truth. 22% of men is a decent number of men. But we're really talking about over the course of a 30-year marriage. We're talking 20% of guys cheating and not much fewer women cheating. So, uh, to the best of my knowledge, none of my closest friends has cheated on a girlfriend or a wife. They are, like I like to consider myself, they're, they're good men who chose wisely, valued their relationships, valued their families, and would sooner break up than jeopardize it with with some sort of, uh, you know, indiscretion. Um, but I know that this is a very real problem just because I surround myself by like-minded people and it doesn't mean I know everything that's going on. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll freely admit that. But again, I, there's not too many people that I know who, who admit to this. I, I, I know a handful of men 
who admit to having arrangements with their wives that are sort of monogamish, right? Sort of an open, don't ask, don't tell type thing. Uh, if I'm out one, late one night, you don't need to know the details, but you know, our sex life is stagnant. And, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna be judgy of those people. I, you know, I haven't walked a mile in their shoes. I know there's a, another statistic, 15 to 20% of marriages are sexless. So what are those supposed to, people supposed to do? They could, they could break up, of course, uh, but if you choose to maintain a sexless marriage and you still have desires, whether you're a man or a woman, something has to fulfill you. If you're, if you're bound for life and you, you feel like your marriage, your, your home life, your children is something worth preserving, people have to find workarounds. Um, I think these folks are sort of playing with fire. I don't know how that can't erode the trust in your relationship. And again, my, I'm very trusting. My wife is very trusting and secure. And I... You know, I would hate to think that my wife says she's going for a mom's night out to drink Chardonnay and she's really fucking Paolo or something. Like, that doesn't, I, that doesn't make me feel good or secure, even if I know it's just sex. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be the one to do an entire podcast on polyamory. I would point out that once you open up a relationship that's based on fidelity to even open infidelity, the concept of being monogamish, um, there's a crack in the armor of your relationship that, that can be deleterious. And listen, I have a client who uh, said, hey, you know, said to her husband, swinging sounds like fun. I'm attracted to other women. Can we bring another woman in? And the guy said, sure. Next thing, next thing you know, he, he left it, my client, he left his wife for the other woman that she brought in. That's how something like that can backfire. So. Why do men stay with women who cheat? No, let's roll that around. Why do women stay with men who cheat? Uh, you could probably answer that better than I can, um, if you ever have. Uh, and, and you could also debate whether it's worth it, right? What, you know, is that something, is, is the, those compromise, the compromise that we would presume that uh, Beyonce or Hillary is making, is it, is it worth it? What circumstances can infidelity be forgiven? I think people stay for, a mixture of the right and wrong reasons. It's easy to say we stay for love, we stay for the kids, right? But the real truth is people tend to stay for, out of insecurity, out of fear that of breaking up a life, out of fear of losing money, um, out of fear of how this will affect the family, um, out of people stay because they've been abused emotionally, physically. They feel like they don't have any other options. They feel like they've gotten older uh, and it's too hard to change and there's nobody left. Um, they stay because, well, that's just the way men are. If it's not this guy, it's going to be another guy. So there are all these sort of little half-truths that allow people to stay in unhappy, unfaithful relationships. Uh, and again, if, if I'm, I'm hitting a pain point here, you know, please let me know. Comment on the blog, comment on YouTube. I, I really want to hear from you why you stayed in a unfaithful relationship. You're entitled to do what you want, but I don't think those are really empowering decisions. There is an empowering decision in staying with someone who's been unfaithful, but it's a certain kind of unfaithful. And again, this is me imposing my worldview. Um, for example, a uh, guy goes to his 20th college reunion, uh, gets hammered, kisses someone, comes home and tells you, honey, I kissed this girl at my college reunion. Um, I feel awful about it. 
Um, I've never done that before. I'm, I'm embarrassed. Please forgive me. Now, again, to be honest with you, if I'm that guy, I'm not even... I'm not even saying that I did that because it opens up a can of worms. If you feel really guilty, I don't see any reason of confessing. I know that there's some people who disagree with it. I know I had an ex-girlfriend and we had many arguments. She said, if you ever cheated on me, I'd hope you'd tell me because I would dump your ass. And I said, well, if you already tell me you're going to dump my ass, what incentive do I have of telling you? And we got into a series of fights about this sort of logical conundrum of, I've already been told I'll be beheaded for telling the truth. Why would I ever tell the truth? So I'm a truthful person, but you know, you know, if you know you're not going to be forgiven, that's part of why people lie. Side story. So I think if, if there's an individual instance of infidelity, whether it's a man or a woman committing it, and there's a good marriage at stake, right, it, may, it may not be a sign of a broken marriage. Right? People say oh, people cheat. It's not because of sex. It's because of communication and people not feeling special and feeling disconnected. And that's all, that's all true. It could also just be a sort of one-time, a one-off mistake. And again, I've never even done this. I'm just trying to put myself in other people's shoes, whether, whether you're a man or a woman. If you would dump your, your boyfriend, your, 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 your boyfriend of two years because he kissed someone once, um, saying there's no forgiveness here, I've gone down that road before, once a cheater, always a cheater, you're entitled to that. Um, I think relationships like that can be repaired and mistakes can be potentially forgiven. And I'd like to think I'd forgive my wife for a one-time infidelity. What could, what's harder to forgive is serial cheating. Having an affair, falling in love with somebody else where that guy came home to you every night for two years while during the day he was making arrangements to be with another woman. Right? Carrying on a, an actual affair that involves repeated deceit and lying and leading a double life. People not every person who's ever had an affair is a bad person, but we're dealing with something that's really a communication and character issue, and I don't think that's easily forgived, and I would not be inclined to tell someone to try to look past that to save your marriage, no matter how scared you are, no matter how insecure you are, no matter what the money situation is. I feel like that's really a cause for a breakup. And again, that's my personal feelings. Is you let's, you know, that's a, it takes a lot of deception to lie to someone for two years instead of to say, oops, I screwed up one night. To me, it's, it's, a, it's a broad spectrum, but they're almost apples and oranges. There are guys, this is, a, this is a relevant tangent, we talk about guys who are unfaithful. There are guys who are just really powerful people, right? you know, uber alpha guys who, who say that they have sort of insatiable sexual appetites and tell any woman that they're involved with, I'm never going to be a one-woman kind of guy. Right? Maybe this is what happens if you're the... Prime Minister of France or something like that, but there's certainly, I know some folks here in, in America who are like, you know, I, I love you, I believe in love, um, I don't really believe in monogamy, um, you know, you could be my number one, but I, you're going to sometimes have to feed the beast and let me have other women, and I, I feel like sometimes women get forced against their will into polyamorous relationships because they're so intoxicated by this guy that in order to have them, they're like, okay, I'll just agree to rent him. I, I don't get to keep him. He will never be entirely my, my own, but it's worth it because he's so charismatic, powerful, rich, smart, whatever that is. Um, he holds way too much power in that relationship, in my opinion. Now, if she's happy with that arrangement, no one's coming between you and your happiness. That's, that's your business. I just think it's sometimes unfortunate when, and I once had a girlfriend who was in a polyamorous relationship and hated it. She just 
didn't feel like she could do better than that, so she was willing to accept the fact that he would step out on her sometimes. Um, I mentioned sexless relationships before, um, and I said it was, it, the sexless means essentially less than once a month, and they say it's 15 to 20% of couples. Uh, and you're gonna find people who are gonna question their relationships. You'll find a lot of masturbation and a lot of porn and a lot of grumbling, and that's not a healthy relationship. Um, as much as I'm a proponent that compatibility and, and uh, chemistry should be equal, right? I'm not a no chemistry guy, but I definitely believe in having a long-term compatible relationship, sex is important. Right? Not the number one, one reason you choose a partner, but you're only gonna have sex with one person for the rest of your life. You better keep on having sex. Um, even University of Virginia, they have a, like a sort of marriage and family council, kind of a conservative thing that, that, that studied marriage. Sex is one of the top five things that predict a happy marriage, right? If, if, if you don't have a decent sex life, it's hard to have a happy marriage because that's the glue that, sep that keeps you together and also separates you from all your other friends. You don't want to just turn into roommates, right? You know, I've been really transparent about my life. We're, you know, we're married for eight years. We have two little kids and we're pretty much a once a week couple, maybe twice a week, and we're perfectly content with that. Um, it's almost it's almost scheduled, but we don't miss it, and we're both really content with that status quo. I can't tell you how many married friends I have in, in, in similar positions who are like, nope, never. I can't remember the last time I got a blowjob. I've heard that from way, way too many people. Um, and that's something where that, that couple's relationship, their communication, and their prioritizing sex has, has deteriorated to the point where sexless or virtually sexless has become the new normal. It's hard to come back from that. So before we go, I know I go on and on and on, and I know there's a lot of tangents within tangents, but the subject here, sex, cheating, infidelity, is an important one. Um, I have a short list that I'd like to read to you. I haven't memorized it because I just wrote it before I came here. <laughs> the best way to cheat-proof your relationship Right. The best way to ensure that your relationship does not turn out like those other relationships that I've been alluding to uh, that, uh, that are sexless or sexually dysfunctional. Choose a man who's proud of his character. Right. It's, an, it's an essential part of who he is. There are people who talk about their work and there are people who talk about how fast they run a marathon. You want a guy who's actually proud of his good character. Choose a man who's never cheated right. and moreover, really frowns on the idea of cheating, right? I'll admit, I've never cheated and I'm a little bit judgy about it. I know there are good people who've done it and I know you have your reasons and I know one mistake doesn't tar you for life. I've got lovely women clients uh, that I've worked with who've cheated, so you know, let, let me sort of create a dividing line. In general, right, I'm pretty judgmental of cheating because it's something that I wouldn't do. Um, you want a guy who sees cheating as something that's bad. Wouldn't want to be friends with a guy who actively cheated on his wife. That kind of guy. Choose a man who's sensitive to your needs. Right? Your emotional needs, your sexual needs. Who cares about your sexual well-being. And he also speaks your love language. Remember, there's five love languages. Uh, gifts, quality, time, jeez, uh, I'm forgetting my love languages. Gifts quality, time, term, like terms of uh, words of affection, 
or oh gosh, I'm botching it. <laughs> one of them, but one of them is touch. One of them is sex. And if you need to have sex to feel connected to a guy, and he's like, listen, I don't even care anymore. He's not doing his job to make you happy. Right? You need a guy who is willing to prioritize making you happy, and you need to be the kind of partner where if your partner wants to have sex, not every night, which for most people in marriage, you know, who are in marriages is kind of impossible, but if your partner wants to have sex and you withhold it from him because you're never ready, you're never in the mood, you're never tired, you don't feel good about yourself, well, you're, you're creating a relationship where you're going to have a, a sexually dissatisfied partner and that opens up a lot of doors that you don't necessarily want to open up. So you need to really be willing to communicate and provide this necessary service within a relationship that always turns out to be fun. Even when you're tired, sex is fun. So don't forget, you and your partner both have needs and, and those needs are usually reasonable ones. Um, choose a man who's not, who's available. You don't want the guy who's, who, again, this is nothing against someone who's in a rock band or someone who's in the military. You need a guy who's around, not a guy who's always traveling, right? Um, people give in to temptation, bonds get loosened, people miss each other. Um, there's lots of time to fill. You want a guy, again, if you're trying to create the ideal circumstances for cheat-proofing your relationship, find a guy who's around. Um, Choose a man who's not a conqueror and is always seeking novelty. Um, there's a little bit of a, you know, inherent contradiction in that, and that I was kind of a conqueror when I was single. I always was onto the new and the exciting and, and enjoy the novelty of dating, and it's part of how you end up going on a lot of dates. Um, but in general, you want a guy who values monogamy, values family, talks about wanting to have that stability and grow old and have grandkids and stuff not the guy who's like, I have no idea how to be in a relationship, right? I'm already bored and it's been, you know, two months and I don't even know what to do with myself as a, as a, as a guy who's, who's monogamous and taken. And this is an old, old wives' tale type thing. Um, and it's a little awkward to say it, but uh, I've, I've had clients say it to me and so I will say it to you. Choose a man who loves you more than you love him. Um, I don't mean that literally. We want something... We want something equal. No one wants to have too much power to wield in a relationship. But the idea behind it is you want a guy who's so devoted to you, who so doesn't want to lose you, that he would never think of hurting you. It doesn't literally mean that we can measure the love and he loves you much more and you have no respect or attraction for him. But you want a guy who is, who is unabashedly devoted to you. Right? Doesn't have to necessarily worship you or put you up on a pedestal but really values you in his life and would do nothing to hurt you or lose you. That's certainly the way I feel about my wife. Uh, I would never be happier with any other uh, younger, more beautiful, tempting, new novel woman for a few hours than I would be with my wife forever. Um, and your partner or husband needs to be able to say something similar. So I want to thank you for uh, being part of this Love You podcast. Uh, I hope I gave you something to think about and discuss in the comment section below. In the next episode, I'm going to talk about dating and relationships without fear with my first ever guest, the wonderful Fearless Living Coach, Rhonda Britton. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button, follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and go to www.evanmarkkatz.com. Give me your name and email address, and I will send you free dating and relationship advice until you don't need dating and relationship advice. Thank you so much. I'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.